0: God calls us to trust Him. It might be easy to read about trust in the Bible or listen to a message on trusting God, but as we face delays and discouragement while waiting on the Lord, it's easy to question if we'll ever experience His wonder. Today on Bloom, we'll discover that God's plan is intentionally designed and He will always accomplish His divine purposes. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for June 3rd, 2022. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. So this month, we are wrapping up our three-part series called Waiting on the Wonder, Lessons in the Life of Joseph. I hope this series has been as encouraging to you as it has been for me. God placed the story of Joseph and his journey on my heart several years ago. My husband, Jesse, and I resonate so personally with this story because, in many ways, we've been walking in a waiting season of our own for the past 13 years, having learned to find the sweetness in waiting and witnessing plenty of signs, but still waiting on the wonder. Now, The life of Joseph is such a beautiful reminder that we can have full confidence in knowing God always finishes what he started, and he will ultimately receive all the glory in the story. So we're gonna pick up where we left off last month. We finished reading and unpacking chapter 39. Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and put in prison. And for a quick recap from last month, we learned that not to let the enemy frustrate our faithfulness. When God is getting ready to set us up to walk into our calling, our next season, our purpose, we will often be met with an attack from the enemy. But like Joseph, we can be faithful, dispelling the lies and reminding ourselves of the truth of God's unchanging character. Then we also discuss that no matter what we're facing, no matter how severe the attack, God is always present with us. He was with Jesus when he was tempted in the desert. He was with Joseph from the pit to prison, and he is with you and me, wherever we are, whatever we're up against. So let's dive in. If you're not driving, open up your Bible or open up your Bible app and join me in Genesis chapter 40. So Joseph still remains a prisoner at this point. It doesn't seem like much is happening, but even though his position has not changed, we're about to see Joseph take yet another step towards his destiny and God's intended purpose for him. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Some time after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody, and one night they both dreamed— the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So in this scene, Joseph isn't the dreamer this time. He's the interpreter. Providing interpretations to both the chief baker and the cupbearer. And then it says within three days, the dreams and their respective interpretations come to fruition. Even though it doesn't end well for the chief baker, these dreams came to pass so quickly. If you remember in part one, Joseph too had a dream. And at this point, we're at 11 years and counting, waiting for its realization. 11 years. These dreams only took three days to be realized. You know, I wonder if Joseph felt discouraged by the length of time he was waiting for his dreams to come to fulfillment. You know, Just recently, I listened to a testimony of someone who was waiting for something for two years to come to pass. It's so similar in nature to what Jesse and I have been waiting 13 years for. And I can listen to the testimony and I find joy for that person. And I can be encouraged by God working in their life But if I'm completely honest, there's also a part of me that wonders, why did they get to experience their breakthrough in two years? And 13 years later, we're still waiting for ours. Have you ever experienced long seasons of waiting before? Maybe you're currently sitting in a waiting season now. You feel as though the word, the dream, the vision will never come to pass. And I imagine Joseph felt that exact same way. He even gets impatient in the waiting, and he looks to the cupbearer and says, would you remember me when you go to Pharaoh? He's like, I just need a way out of this. Would you please remember me and get me out of this pit? I don't deserve to be here. Now, in waiting, we all ask, why do we have to wait? If God can change our situation in a matter of moments with one word, why do we have to wait? You know, I've been right there, too. Until one day, God spoke to me and said, Jen, it's not a waiting season, it's a preparation season. God is using this time to not only prepare us for our purpose, but prepare others to witness his glory. Now, God's timing is not an accident, it's not random, and it's definitely not unintentional. Our fifth lesson in the life of Joseph is. When it comes to waiting on the Lord, it's not a delay, it's a design. God is intentional about everything he does, including his timing. It may not make sense to us right away, or always, but he's never late to arrive on his promises. We see a similar story with Jesus in the New Testament Gospel of John. In chapter 11, we see Lazarus, close friend and follower of Jesus, become ill. And then we see his sisters, Mary and Martha, and they know exactly what they need to do. They need to send for Jesus. They know that Jesus is the only one who has the ability to save their brother. So if you want, go ahead let's skip ahead. We're gonna go to the New Testament. We're gonna read this incredible story. It's John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In verse 4, Jesus is speaking his design in Lazarus' circumstances. Did you catch it? It is all for God's glory. So Jesus would be glorified through it. So let's keep reading. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Hmm, and let's rewind that. So Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So he went immediately to them. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says Jesus stayed two days longer, in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go to awaken him. When Jesus arrives to Bethany, we read that Lazarus has already died. Jesus didn't get there in time. I imagine the people, his own disciples even, wondering, why did Jesus delay in coming to Lazarus' rescue? But it soon revealed to them and to us what appeared to be God's delay is actually God's design, just as Jesus said. So we're going to skip down now, and we're going to go to verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. I love this part of the story because let's be honest here, Lazarus has been gone four days now, so he's a little ripe by this point. Martha understands this, which is why she objected at the thought of moving the stone. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus was telling them right then and there, this is not an oversight on my part. I wasn't delaying getting here. This is all part of my design, so you can witness my glory. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said on this account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, "Unbind him and let him go." Crazy story, but so so good. Not even death prohibits God's perfect timing. In three words, "Lazarus, come out." Death itself was reversed and life returned to a lifeless body. It is not a delay. It's a design. My daughter, Joanna, lives for two major events each year, her birthday and Christmas. Now, her birthday is in June, perfectly timed at the middle of the year with six months between her birthday and Christmas. And once her birthday passes, she is already planning for what her heart desires for Christmas. And everyone near her will hear about it from June 17th, which is the day after her birthday, to December 24th. Now, everyone that knows her knows she loves horses. So a couple years ago, she began collecting Briar model horses that she displays on this bookshelf in her room, and every birthday and Christmas, as she's creating her wish list, she always finds one horse that is her absolute must-have. And of course, this past Christmas was no different. She began sharing how much she wanted this horse, even back in the summer months. And one day she blatantly, you know, dropped hints about how much she wanted this particular horse model. She would quietly stare off in the distance and we would ask her what she was thinking about, even though we had a theory of what it could be. She would dream of this horse, watch YouTube videos of this horse, and continually be checking the availability of the horse. I mean, she had this horse on her mind, what seemed like 24-7. And it's always a bit of a test of patience in our household for months on both sides for her and us. But the funny thing is, when she first mentioned that horse to me, knowing that they go out of stock quickly, I went ahead and placed the order online. The horse was delivered, and I tucked it securely under our bed for safekeeping until Christmas. So you see, while Joanna was asking leading, and praying all those months that she would get this horse on Christmas. It was there all along, just waiting for the right moment. One day, Joanna came up to me in tears, showing me that the horse was sold out online. She was completely devastated. She thought her dream to have it was crushed, you know, we could have given it to her any other day. I could have even popped it out at that very moment just to reassure her. No, look, we have it. You have it. It's yours. But we wanted to wait until Christmas morning, knowing it would be all the sweeter for her. We recorded her reaction when she opened it, and it was probably one of the best moments of Christmas Day. It wasn't a delay. It was design. Are you catching this? God works in the same way. The plan is already securely in His hands. He's just waiting on the exact right moment to reveal it. It's not a delay. It's His design. The provision is already being met. The promise is being fulfilled. The dream is being realized. We just don't always see it with our human eyes right away. But God will show us when the time is perfect. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For still vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. When it comes to God's timing, it's not a delay. It's a design. Moving into the next chapter, God is getting ready to finally move Joseph into his purpose. It has now been two years since Joseph interpreted the dreams of the chief baker and the chief cupbearer bringing his total number of years in Egypt to 13 years 13 years 4745 days in case you're wondering that Joseph has been waiting on the wonder and now we're going to see that it's Pharaoh's turn to dream so in chapter 41 Pharaoh has two dreams that are similar in imagery and we're going to read about them After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke, And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. So no one in the whole land, none of Pharaoh's wise men or magicians, could figure out what Pharaoh's dream meant. Then, in verse 9, the light bulb goes on in the chief cupbearer's mind. He recalls Joseph correctly interpreting his dream and the chief baker's dream, both of which came to fruition. So they sent for Joseph. Verse 14 says, they quickly brought him out of the pit. Remember, we learned in part one about spending time in the pit. Now, Prison wasn't much different than the pit. His brothers had placed him in initially before Joseph was carried off to Egypt. So when Joseph went before Pharaoh, Pharaoh told him, I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph immediately responds saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And we recall in part two, when Joseph was being pursued by Potiphar's wayward wife, Joseph said, how could I do this great evil against God? So in everything Joseph does, he continually points back to God, fearing him, being faithful to him, and then giving him the glory. So after Pharaoh tells his dream, Joseph, receiving interpretation from God, explains what they mean. So for a Cliff's Notes version, some of you listening are wondering, what are CliffsNotes? You can Google it if you're not sure what it means. So Joseph reveals that Egypt will have seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. And then Joseph recommends that Pharaoh wisely store up during the years of abundance as the means of provision for the years of famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regard the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt, Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot and they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. And do you remember Joseph's coat of colors given to him by Jacob in part one and how it was taken away and torn apart Now we see that Joseph is adorned with a new robe of favor, fine linen, given a gold chain around his neck, and the signet ring. Joseph went from rags to riches in a moment, from prison to power in a moment. The time had finally come for Joseph to walk into his purpose. Lesson six, our final lesson from the life of Joseph, God never fails to fulfill. Through pits and prison, 13 years of waiting, which is, as we remember in part one, waiting is the action of staying until the proper time. It was all coming to an end and now the wonder, something beautiful, unexpected, and inexplicable finally was coming to fruition. Things are moving quickly in the story at this point. So if you haven't noticed, time can go very quickly in a matter of verses in Scripture. Now, by the end of chapter 41, after Joseph's rise to power, we read that the seven years of plenty occurs, and we are now entering the seven years of famine. And then in chapter 42, Jacob sent ten of his sons, all but the youngest, Benjamin, to go to Egypt to buy grain, because the famine was widespread and it affected the land of Canaan as well. So after all these years... Joseph was about to become face-to-face with his brothers who sold him into slavery. I'm just going to read a portion of 42, beginning in verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them, where do you come from he said they said from the land of Canaan to buy food and Joseph recognized his brothers but they did not recognize him and Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of and he said to them you are spies you have come to see the nakedness of the land now for the sake of time we're going to highlight some main points and unpack the key details in the story so when Joseph's brothers come to Joseph they did not recognize him After all, they haven't seen Joseph in so long. Joseph decides to test his brothers. He wanted to see if their hearts had changed. Ultimately, Joseph's relationship with his family is restored, and his brothers reconcile their mistreatment to Joseph through genuine repentance. It's a really great story, so I would really encourage you just to continue reading from 42 all the way to the end of Genesis. I really want to focus on the end of Genesis because that's where our next lesson is really coming from. So when Joseph's brothers sought his forgiveness, we see the beautiful purpose of Joseph's affliction revealed to the fullest. In his response to his brother's apology, Joseph speaks what is considered the most notorious line in this story in chapter fifty twenty, where Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, I told you in part two, we'd see these two words again, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many lives. All the waiting, all the suffering, everything made sense in this moment. We realized God's intended plan all along was to place Joseph in such a prominent position so he could be used to save the lives of God's people. In the book of Acts, we see another parallel of Joseph's story to Christ. I'd love for you to turn with me to Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead." Jesus' own people did not recognize him for who he is, the Messiah, just as Joseph's brothers did not recognize him when they came to Egypt. But the sweetest parallel is that God's design, Jesus was meant to be condemned in order to bring about the salvation of his people. The Jewish people crucified their king, but death did not hold him, and Jesus rose from the dead. Just as in the story of Lazarus, the story would not end in death, but would be for God's glory. The cross seemed to exist in order to stop God's plan of salvation. It appeared as though heaven had lost, that darkness had defeated the Son of God, but God raised Jesus from the dead. There it is again, but God. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What has been created as an instrument of death became the very means used to bring eternal life and give us the opportunity to be reconciled back to God. From death, God gave life. He always finishes what he started. He fulfills every word. Now, the prophet Isaiah writes about the word of God coming down like rain. And just as rain comes down from heaven and it does not return void, so God's word does not return without completing the finished work for which it was sent. And all through the Old Testament, God sent his word through the prophets of the coming Messiah. But then in the New Testament, God sent Jesus down to earth to accomplish his will, to save many lives through him. John 1 says the word became flesh. God's word spoken through the prophets became realized. And now we know that Jesus did not return to the Father without finishing his work, his death and resurrection. God will always, always, always complete what he started. He never fails to fulfill. It may seem like you're fighting a losing battle. You see nothing but evil prevailing around you. You have no idea how God is going to bring about what he has promised. And just like Joseph, things can appear pretty bleak at times. And we wonder how will the dream, the vision, the purpose ever come to fruition if evil seems to keep winning. Waiting on the wonder is never easy. It's not a comfortable process. But know that when God speaks a word relays a promise, or shows you a vision, he will bring it to pass. He will finish the work he began in you for your good and for his glory. God has had me in 1 Thessalonians 5.24 and I want to share it with you. It says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. When discouragement tries to seep into your soul, remind yourself that his promises are always yes and amen. If he said it, believe it. Because if he said it, it is as good as done. As Jesse and I continue to wait on the wonder in a situation of our own, we have full confidence that God will complete what He has spoken, within the timing of His beautiful design. There is no doubt in our minds; He's proven to be too faithful. Cling to Christ in the waiting. Cling to His Word and His promises. If it seems like it's taking longer than expected, no, it's not a delay. It's a design. There is purpose in the waiting. And know that God never fails to fulfill what he's promised. It may not come when you want it or look like exactly how you wanted it to look. But it will come in his perfect timing. Blessings on you as you wait on the wonder. Thank you for tuning into Bloom today. I'll see you back here next month. Keep growing and God bless.